0: We've got Rick Ganley coming to, to speak next And um, Jill and I were talking about Rick um, recently And basically if it wasn't, wasn't for Rick and his vision in his heart This church wouldn't, wouldn't be here now uh, In the very early days he, he, uh, he Somehow, I don't know how he does it But he's a gatherer He's an adventurer only Rick could sail the Atlantic with his wife and his young child um on his own but uh, there there's something about him which which is, is unique and that which which god which he carries of God which is special um so Rick take as long as you like um we, we will finish um probably if if rick uh, you've got loads of time it's only quarter past eleven so Rick Ganley
1: yeah. Thanks. Uh, thank you Mike for that glowing tribute actually they were heady days weren't they I mean starting the church you know you're not equipped for that thing there's no, there's no training for that but uh, yeah they, they were good days actually and um, here we are 14 years on so, I'm not going to talk boat stories this morning, well, maybe, but uh, actually I did want to share, I, I, you know, I'm going to share something from, from my heart really. Um, normally we preach in series, so someone says, you know, can you do that one, or, and actually I haven't, I haven't spoke for a long time, the church is running very well without me up the front, uh, but actually, it is, it's easier when someone gives you a passage because you can get stuck into it. And I said to Mike, I said, oh, would I say something? And I said, yeah, what?" he said, do what you like. And uh, actually, that is not easy. And I'd sat down a few times and thought, nah, that's not going anywhere. And then I thought I'd share a bit of a personal testimony of uh, life, really. And, and some, it's, it's not many verses that shape us. I don't think, you know, we know lots of verses in scripture, but there's certain verses that impact your life and, and kind of start forming and shaping you, where you're going. And I, and I can't remember, um, i nearly done a spoiler of that there, because I wanted to start off actually, I can't remember when this happened, but I'm going to ask the same question I was asked many years ago in a church. And the church, and the pastor said, what's your ambition and it wasn't a rhetorical question he started picking on people like john what's your ambition come on what's your ambition that elizabeth what's your ambition that's good girl cameron didn't expect this did you <laughs> hey yeah I think well done good answer, right answer, and that actually, if I did go round and if you're a Christian, that is what is rooted in us through the Holy Spirit, and that was mine, except I, I think as a, I was a bit of an extrovert and I came into faith, and actually I kind of had a zeal that was a bit overwhelming me. I thought, what have I got to be doing and uh what what do I do and and this is one of the questions that I find is one of the most asked questions with, with in the Christian community. So I'm going to read this text because the Bible says about ambition. It says, make in, in, this is in Thessalonians 4, uh, verse, oh, crikey, where are we? Yeah, verse 11 to 13. It says, make it a, your ambition to lead a quiet life, minding your own business. And working with your hands, just as we instructed you before, then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live and you will not need to depend on others. I mean, when, that, when I was asked that question, what was my ambition, and actually he asked loads of people and it ended up with, oh, I'd like to see someone saved. And I think the top one was I'd like to be a stadium speaker and see thousands saved. And, and that is our heart, but the reality is most of us are, are not going to are going to lead a pretty quiet life and not end up in the obituary columns of the Guardian. We might get in the County Press, but really, we're going to lead quiet lives. And that that actual verse was a life changer for me because I really had a zeal for God and didn't know how to fit that in with my working life, my business, what I was doing, wanting to go on adventures. And I just felt God say, be yourself. I just felt him say that morning, you can't be anyone else. I've created you unique. I've got purposes for you, which you'll know on the day. And just get on with your life and live it well. And it was a real kind of revelation. There was a weight I didn't even know I was carrying. Because we, we, we come out of churches, I mean that were pretty vibrant back then. I mean, and Hill was a big charismatic church. I think it planted out about five t- times. I don't know how, what it's up to now. But there was, there was actually, as exciting as it was as a charismatic church and a real move of God, there was a kind of a, another bit, where, where do I fit in here and how do I work this out? And I hear young Christians, or, or not just young Christians, but I hear the same thing, if only I knew what God wanted me to do, then I could really start living for God. Then I could really come into my own and fulfill the purposes and start life seriously. And that's that's not the way it is. And this this verse, this uh, this word ambition, this exhortation from Paul to be ambitious is a bit of a dichotomy when it's, it's tacked on to this bit to lead a quiet life. It's a dampener. It's a kind of mundane it's sort of, oh I don't want make it your ambition to lead a quiet life that's the last thing I want and uh I like ambition I, I'm, I'm I still like to think I'm getting older but I, I still like to think I'm quite ambitious and I've got a few dreams I want to tick off um but as a, as a young person um, I mean Angie said I like your ambition she said I, I had no money I met my wife in Australia I was travelling around and she said, i find your ambition attractive. So I thought, oh, that's, that's not a bad thing if I've got, got no money. and uh, <laughs> But, there, but this, this text is not a really a prescription for setting the world alight, which, which we have in us. We, we want to do well. Um, and that's because I think, this, this is where for me, I think my worldly desires, my fleshy, worldly, the old nature... You know, it says I want to be someone. I want to make my mark in life. It's quite a natural kind of thing to do, and and that's that's how I felt. And I, I'm 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 older now, a bit wiser. I don't want to conquer the world anymore. I'm quite happy, kind of just living living a, a fairly quiet life, which can seem sort of mundane. But I've, I think I've changed a lot over the years. But, and but I'd like to think the Holy Spirit has settled me down and and kind of got into a maturity. But the world we live in can influence more readily than I think we like to admit, And we bring that culture into the church and start shaping church, if especially in leadership. Whereas the text is always pointing us to to be concerned about how we live our daily lives. How do we live out this life and participating in the world in a new way once we're saved. not Not coming out of it, but participating in this new, new way. And... And this text really has two threads in it. it's it as a love of God because it starts off the passage. I, I I'd read this few, so I hadn't really read Thessalonians so much as I have done in the last week, and just read it through. And it's easy to read, but it's just this whole thing: loving God and loving your neighbour. It's this walking this road through these two hedges, and that's what it's about. And Paul's exhorting these Thessalonians. I know. The theologians are saying, you know, they were expecting the second coming and some were lazy. And But actually, it's applicable to us today as it was to the Thessalonians then. <coughs> and I've just jotted down here, you know, our character is forged. It's not my quote, but I like it. It's forged on the anvil of everyday adversity. And it's true. You know, life is pretty tough, I think. Um, I see it in so many people. Uh, if we get into a little bit of honest conversation, life is pretty tough for a heck of a lot of people. And, you know, Mark, it says, daily pick up your cross and follow me. It's a daily, daily life that we go through. And we're, we deal with quickly changing culture. I think the sluice gates are really opened and we seem to be changing quickly. I don't think that's an age thing I'm saying. I really believe it. But managing money, debt, stress, what the kids want in their trainers. I mean, inflation, unemployment. I mean, it's, it's pretty grim. I find myself ooh, flicking off the news. Um, yeah, it's just not a nice place to listen to. And, uh, and then you look at other lives of people and think theirs is all right. But actually, it's not. <laughs> one of the people whose lives look pretty good on the surface and far from it. So we all deal with this stuff and Paul exhorts us in the midst of this to live orderly lives so that when outsiders see us, it would cause them to have respect for our lifestyle, is what the text said. Uh, John MacArthur, I don't know, but it's a quote I picked up here, American Evangelist says, when believers display diligent work attitudes and habits and live in a loving and tranquil manner that respects others, others' privacy and does not intrude or gossip, it constitutes a powerful testimony to unbelievers and makes the gospel credible. And I can actually testify, that's true, I've been very fortunate in hanging out with some interesting people in life in my travels. Very wealthy, uh, just interesting people. And I've found little comments, uh, especially in the world of yachting. It's quite, it is quite a macho world, I suppose, ocean racing and that sort of thing. And I noticed one guy that we used to do a lot of ocean racing with, Translantics. So he said, you know what, I, I just want to say I've never known you swear, which is quite unusual. And it just opened up a great conversation of why I didn't, even though it's difficult walking that line of, I love the world, I love being in it and all that it does and just the everyday adventure of life. And yet we're called to ever be a witness. And that's not always, not always easy. And actually, out, out of those days... Just sort of examples, how do we live our life with these sort of people? I mean, this this week I was on the phone to someone, a very good friend, done a lot of stuff with him, very successful guy, he's 80 now, I seem to hang out with older people sometimes, but uh, we were just having a WhatsApp call, and it ended up, up, I'm up with him in tears, and just saying how lonely he was, and uh, I'd led his first wife to the lord before she died and he's remarried um and we were just talking and he said oh rick he said you know and, and actually he was saying i i've told the kids this week i'm gonna i mean i'm using language that he uses i'm gonna top myself so if, if i end up you know and, and his son actually said well you know what you need to do dad and i just thought wow you know and, he, and I said, what did your daughter say? And he said, yeah, the same. And uh, he said, I'm not, going, I'm not going through illnesses and uh, one thing and another. And it just really struck me. And I said, Jeff, you know me. I mean, once someone knows you're a Christian, they're looking at you. But you can't keep going back there. They know you're a Christian. And, and actually, he respects me. And, and I have prayed with him. And I've seen him cry Times I don't do it all the time, but, but I mean, life gets serious, and we talk serious things. And, and I said, "There, yeah, Jeff, let me pray for you, mate. And I said, you know the answer. I said, I've told you. And he said, yeah, but I'm a pragmatist. And he said, I just, I don't get it. And <sighs> there's nothing more I can do. But for most of us, it's in our local community and at work that you're going to be seen and heard. That's where we have our effects, taking the kids to school, school gate conversations, uh, the workplace, socialising with friends and family. This is where you'll be looked at and uh, and judged on our speech, speech and actions. Um, but I do believe, I, I, for, for, I was just thinking, actually for all the travelling I've done and adventures, I'm not sure it's done a lot for my spiritual formation. It's done great. For knowing geography and having adventures and having a lot of stories and entertaining people, but actually, it's right in the heart of the community you live in and the people you know, that that it is where you live out and your spiritual formations formed. And just a little story here: we we, we were going over to Cow uh, Cow's Week. We were on the red jet. the friend. My son was Eri's friend, and. It was busy and we were going over to uh, get on a boat over in Southampton uh, and, and come back and um, Angie was organising the seating and uh, there was a nice old lady that's in town, I'm not going to say her name but she's a lovely lady, high society lady, quite a, quite an interesting lady, spent, spent a lot of times at parties and gatherings and uh, she knows us quite well on one level and Angie was organising the seat and she said oh can you sit next to Mavis Rick I mean she's 86 she's got chronic back pains and she loves to talk about them and I said thanks you know <laughs> but uh, little did I know God was doing the organising of the seating arrangements and we're chatting away just about life and I said where you off to and she said oh, I'm off to a pain management clinic in Windsor she's ever so posh this lady and um and she said, I'm, I'm in agony. And she said, there's nothing the doctors can do anymore. So, so I'm going to this pain management specialist. And uh, actually, I had a bad back at the time. I could empathise, but I don't think it was quite that bad. And, and then she said out of the blue, she said, oh, Rick, do you, do you know a good spiritualist in town? I thought, where did that come from? I said, yeah. Yeah, I do, actually. I know the best spiritualist. And she said, oh, Really? And uh, it just led into this conversation <laughs> that I said, Mavis, you don't need that sort of spiritualist you're looking for. Oh, I said her name there. I said, it's not being recorded, is it? Oh, uh, anyway, yeah. So um, there are, no, there's only one like this. And, uh, and I just we just started getting into this great conversation about, about, listen, don't go down that road of looking for that kind of spiritualist that's going to tell you what you want to hear. Here, I said, it's, it's not in the Bible. I said, it's, it's you know, there's a f- forbiddenness about going in there, that place. I said, but what you need is Jesus. And we just had this co- quick conversation, a couple of, five minutes to go before we got off, and I said, yeah, listen, I'm just going to pray for you. And she sort of laughed and didn't know what I meant by that. I said, look, just shut your eyes. Said, what, now? And I said, yeah. And, uh, and I just—I didn't have faith to pray for an 86-year-old broken back, but what she needed was salvation at that moment. And uh, I just prayed a prayer, and I just prayed that—actually, usual stuff, really. You know, God, hope that you give you a good journey up there. That the surgeons know what you're doing, and that you know the power of God right now. And maybe you need to be thinking about your future. You know, you're not got long. Uh, in fact, you know, so I, mean, I, I mean, I'm mean, i honest like that. But it's interesting, the prayers, you know, this lady prayed, you know, about, you know, there's coming a day we're all going to face. And actually, I'm hanging about with some of these people. And um, it's all becoming quite quite real. In fact, I did ask this question last night, didn't I? So I said about what's your ambition to Mike and Jill. And Mike's, Jill, quick as anything, just said to stay upright as long as I can and keep my marbles. <laughs> uh, so I hope I don't get too many <laughs> responses like that. But, but actually, you did say later, you know, your heart is just to serve still, isn't it? And that's all right. It's just ongoing. But yes, I, so I, I just finished praying, and she was just weeping and crying, and just kind of got an awareness. Just, it was one of those places, I call them the sort of thin places, where heaven and earth, that we've got to be aware of and that is what I, that's what I love. I, I'm not a big platform speaker, but I do spend a lot of time on a one-to-one. And uh, I know she got off totally touched, and it's led to a couple of more conversations, and hopefully we're, we'll nail it one day. Uh, we talk on, our, on the benches in the high street when we meet. So much of my life has been on sailing boats, and uh, I've loved it. Cameron's a big sailor as well here. He's just been coming to our church for the last few weeks, and uh, there's a Christian ministry in boats, don't you, uh, doing and doing a good job for sailboat owners, but, but you can't hide on a boat, um, and actually I love ocean, the big ocean stuff, the big long races where you're ground down, doing your four hours on, four hours off, and it soon brings out the true character of people, it doesn't take long, especially on these trips that are two, three weeks, um, you really start seeing true character and in the cockpit at night is just my favorite place for talking real conversations start coming out people let down barriers it's like a doctor's surgery on steroids i mean just people opening up about everything and anything it's very enlightening but your true character traits come out and and uh, People are wit- People are watching you, and 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 we're a witness to, to to how we live and glory to God. And people are attracted by stability. I, I, that's who I go to. I, I go to people as well and talk. I need to find out things, and it's the ones whose marriages are in pretty good shape. They might not be perfect. I don't know any that are, but they're not in poverty. They're just living a steady life, and I love. That's who I go and share. Dave, I'm looking at you. I mean, steady eddies. These people that have been on the road for a while and living their lives in a godly manner and uh, can give me some advice. I don't want it. I don't want to know what people think in the world. I want to know what the Bible says and how how to live my life. Where are we? Um... Yeah, I suppose my my kind of young life mantra was it was better to live a life uh, uh, one day as a lion than a lifetime as a lamb and carpe diem and all that. And actually they're worldly, very worldly kind of statements we throw out. And it's very much in contrast to the psalmist that says better one day in your courts for one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere and I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. And actually... I like the message where I put it. He says, one day in your house, this beautiful place of worship beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches. I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God than be honored as a guest in the place of sin. And, uh, yeah, that actually calls me to really think about that verse. Um, Because actually a thousand days on Greek beaches in winter sounds quite a nice option. But what was causing him to give up and be a floor scrubber for a day, and a doorkeeper. And I think it's this that God moves in and out of people's lives every moment of the day. Just like that moment, that was a God moment. This what you know, this thin place where heaven and earth are combining, and you get a little sense. For me, I get that little gut feeling. I thought, Oh, what's going on here? Well, this is a bit scary. I'm going to have to speak and say something. And and, and it's a, and I've come to know what it is it's like it's it's when God needs to speak to someone and 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 the doorkeeper sees the coming and going of the Father, the spirit just moving in and out, and that's exciting because i actually nothing has excited me anything more than leading people to jesus can't say i've done it many times but i've I've, I've led people and, and led them into life, not me. But that is exciting—seeing a life changed, and uh, seeing your kids' lives change when they, they they make a commitment and and come into faith. There's nothing so exciting. Uh, so yeah, we 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 got to look for those thin places and and be ready to respond. And then I was thinking, who's a character that I could I could. Talk about that I know someone that's lived this life, this Thessalonian life, of leading a quiet life with ambition, not in a negative way or a mundane way. And actually thought, I know someone. And I, I know them very well, very intimately. In fact, I'm going to talk about my mum. I hope I don't cry. Um, but she lived out this life very well. Working with her hands, gaining respect. I'll have to read this. I knew them intimately and could see their life close up. At first I used to think consistency, mistook consistency for unadventurous and living in one place all her life, very mundane. As I grew older and embarked on a life faith myself, I used to see it as she was just, pleasing God and living life in a very quiet, faithful way. For all My time, as I said earlier, of searching for an enhanced life, seeking adventure and travel and meeting and business, etc. I don't think it helped my spiritual formation much. Now, My mum had become a Christian before I arrived on the scene, but I was a bit of a rebellious youth. I used to give my parents quite a bit of trouble. Um, She wasn't one of those people I'd go to for advice. Um, I mean, she was just a Christian... I was young, ambitious, what she, could she teach me? But over the years of growing up and getting in trouble, hearing how she never gave up hope, thinking I was lost at sea for months once, being away a lot, getting married, seeing her as a grandma, seeing her prayers answered when my dad became a Christian in later life, for wisdom, for her sensitivity, and later when I took her precious three-year-old grandchild to sail off around the world with no fixed return date, there were no tears, but she just encouraged me to go and live life and have no regrets. She would faithfully on Friday or Saturday evenings, I can see her as a kid there, she'd be watching the Generation Game on the TV and I remember her cutting out paper shapes and preparing for a Sunday school lesson she taught right into the, her 60s. The Sunday evening after church was coffee and catching up with her friends, Beryl and Marjorie she used to come back after church, helping, she used to help run the church, coffee drop-in. I can see She always had this worn-out old Bible with her every day, with Jesus notes on the side. And I could look back and see her life shaped by this daily faithful living. And I grew in great respect for her, this simple life of devotion that she was living. And all this came out of a knock knock of a door when uh, she was invited to a young wives meeting in her 20s. And she came into faith. But it was when she was with us in Trinidad, I was, a holiday, she was holidaying with us, I was in a boat down there at the time. Uh, she had a stroke that led to a diagnosis of a brain tumour and then life got pretty serious. I'm not sure I really understood where it was heading actually if I was honest or maybe I was just ignoring it. I was abroad a lot, I was with Angie and our daughter and so distance from the tests, the operation, the chemo trips. My dad, at the same time, dealing with his prostrate art while still managing mum. And quite rightly, I got a phone call in the Azores just saying, when you're getting back, do you know how serious this is? And I got the boat back as soon as I could. And was shocked at mum's deterioration after just three months and saw their lives now being lived one day at a time. I think emotionally that's how they coped, by following Jesus' simple but profound counsel to sophisticated moderns on how to survive, where he says, "Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. But what I witnessed over those days with times just sitting, reminiscing, talking with her reading over hundreds uh, of cards, which I just never knew she knew so many people, from many who surprisingly i 'd never heard of each full of praise, thanks, messages of hope in the resurrection of changed lives from her Sunday school children now grown with kids of their own in Sunday school. I couldn't help but see my old mum transform into this giant of an overcomer because of Christ and the hope of eternity within her. Jesus assumed she had come to fully trust and believe in with that hope of resurrection was carrying her through those days. And it seemed to me that her whole life had come down to this moment and how she would face it she wanted to see the millennium in and god granted that prayer but she only just scraped in i can't express what happened over those final days but i don't know if some of you know Ian stackhouse but i just want to read a quote from his book he's done a fantastic book called the day is yours about slow spirituality in a fast-moving world and he's a real pastor's pastor spends a lot of time in hospitals and uh, with his folk and i just want to read little passage that he wrote in this book, which I, I feel captures something of, of those last days. And he says, he says, So desperate are we to alleviate suffering that we end up, if we're not careful, sermonizing at the bedside. But it is here, listening to the stories of those going through the valley of the shadow of death, rather than trying to fix them, that one very quickly becomes aware that for this person in front of me, life has become the simple exercise of taking one day at a time. Faced with the prospect of long-term chemo, probable hair loss, secondaries, one day is about as much as, a human, as human emotions can cope with. Tomorrow is all too unpredictable. What is noticeable among this fellowship, this special fellowship of the broken, is the sheer doggedness by which this is applied. One day at a time is not a nice coffee-shop meditation or a lifestyle choice, but a ruthless determination to take the commands of Jesus seriously. The alternative is unthinkable. The cost of living in tomorrow is so high emotionally that one day Christianity becomes a matter of life and death. But in the process of this high-risk living, something beautiful happens that becomes a sacrament of life. It is the old story. Finitude is the breeding ground of hope for hope. How many times do we hear from those in the fellowship of the suffering how uncertainty about life somehow gathers the vitality of the future into the present so that each day takes on a richness hitherto unimagined. Bad days apart, he says, and I'm not so romantic or idealistic to suggest that every day will be like this, though there is enough data out there to confirm this is very often the experience for those with cancer. It is as the awareness of possible death shortens the horizon of the many days ahead, so as to focus on the gift of this day, being able finally to number one days aright does indeed give a heart of wisdom, as the psalmist promises, so that we finally see each day for what it is, entering into it with thanksgiving. In that sense, it's a long passage. I don't know, just finishing. It has long struck me that people wrestling with cancer and other serious illnesses or mental health problems are living more biblically than the rest of us. Here we all are, rushing about, frantically seeking to avail ourselves of everything the culture is offering, hardly being present for any of it. And here, on the other hand, is a fellowship of the suffering who are learning to suck the juice out of each day, giving thanks for something simple as a smile. I mean, I th- that was a privilege, actually. Uh, you know, it, it, those, uh, the viewer that sort of had that closeness, I mean, it is a very strange time being with one of your parents when they're going through this stuff. and. Uh, There's something, just God comes in the midst of it, and it was a privilege to witness the life live well. And what started out, you know, life is short, and I used to look and think, what a boring life! Get me out of suburbia, and then you look back and just see this life, uh, just just live well. I never saw a shed a tear. She always had a smile. I never saw a tear once during that illness. And uh, one of the last things I think I said to her was, are you going to be with Jesus soon? And she said, yeah, and she was gone in a couple of hours. Um, So I just really want to finish by reading a few verses that I found in Psalm 84 as an encouragement for us to live this life well. And knowing that the Spirit of God lives in us and through us. And it says this, is Psalm 84, verse 5 to 7 says, this is the message version. And how blessed all those in whom you live, whose lives have become roads you travel. They wind through lonesome valleys, come upon brooks, discover cool springs and pools brimming with rain. God traveled these roads, roads curve up the mountain, and at last turn, Zion, God in full view. Amen. And, uh, yeah, that's, we're, we're carrying God's spirit. And the, ur- the urge is, live this life well. Uh, you know, a quiet life is not boring. It's not an assassination on your personality. Extroverts can't be introverts. Contemplators can't become activists. But it's just about living, uh, living the scriptures. And Thessalonians covers that so well. And I'm going to leave it there. I'm just going to pray. Yeah, Father. Thank you for these scriptures, Lord, that teach us a a way to live in the world that you've called us out of yet to be in, and we want to live in it well. And Father, thank you that we've got we we want a love for our neighbour and for you, and to just live our life orderly. Uh, that we want to be within the respect but more than anything Lord we want to honor you and bring you glory father and so we just, just pray for each one here that we go away with that that we want to we want to honor your life in everything we do and we're on we we your ambassadors lord we we represent you so help us to do it well in jesus name amen A special I, I forgot to my neighbour, um Patty is here. I'll still give her a special welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> First time. Okay. Thank Over to you, Mike. Yeah. Thank you.
0: Wasn't expecting that, but you never quite know with Rick what to what to expect. But no, that was that was from uh, from his heart and that's That was really encouraging and and a great blessing.